Hello and welcome to Speak the Words, a Cosmere podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Mango. And this is a podcast where I'm slowly but surely walking Mango through the story of the Stormlight Archive. We are currently on Words of Radiance. Uh, everybody's doing all right. I mean, Yasna's dead, so that's not great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's not that's not ideal. But Kaladin's not a slave anymore. I mean, that's good. Before we jump into the episode proper, I just want to say that we're on Twitter. You guys can follow us at Speak Stormlight. And we have a Discord server. The link to join that is in the episode description. And it's also the pinned tweet on our Twitter account. Is there any chance you remember what happened last time? Nope. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't remember what happened last time. <laughs> um, so we got more Zahel, uh, Vasher. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. Zahel uh, did a fun thing where he had Renarin jump off the roof over and over again. <laughs> um <laughs> And then Adolin taunted the shit out of Kaladin and they got into a little fight, a little scrap. And Kaladin, like, kind of got really exhausted when he tried to attack Adolin. Like, his... his because he wasn't yeah. attacking for the sake of protecting. He was just attacking because he was mad. Yeah, so I asked him, who were you protecting? We cut back to uh, Shallan's flashbacks. That was one of the chapters. We saw... Shalon as a child when her older brother Helleren left. Oh yeah, her brother thought that uh, her dad killed mm -hmm. their mom when actually it was Shalon. And her brother has a shard blade as well. And they don't know why. Yes. Um, their father was said something about Helleren's new friends trusting him. And then Helleren's like, I'll check up. Bye. Don't fucking do anything while I'm gone. Um, Shalon gathered the deserters we were talking about in the present. Uh, Vata's crew with uh, Gaz. And they helped, like, they helped, um, they helped, uh, was, they helped defend that other caravan. Shalon, Shalon built up a base, <laughs> a power base, really is what she's doing on this journey to the Shattered Plains, is collecting people so that when she shows up, she's not just one person with, like, no, no structure beneath her. Protection, like, servants and clerks and workers, like, she's building a power base politically, really, as well. You know, um, if she has a retinue with her, it's gonna make her look more important to the people when she arrives. Yeah, but then people aren't gonna, they aren't gonna believe her if she tells them that People attacked the boat, and she was betrayed. Mm. Mm. We will have to read and find out more. And about then they're that. gonna be like, "Yo, where's where's uh, where's Yasna?" And she'll be like, "Oh, she's dead." People betrayed us, and they'll be like, "Then where'd all these people come from?" We we will definitely uh, we'll we'll get there. Kaladin, uh, oh yeah, Kaladin told Dalinar. Oh, yeah, and Dalinar didn't really believe him. Yeah, Dalinar said pretty much, hey, man, uh, he's, like, one of my best friends, and, like, I trust you, but I've also known you for, like, a week. So, like, you gotta have some good evidence. And he's like, I'll ask him about it when you know damn well he probably won't bring it up. Yeah, I... Oh, no, I believe Dalinar will ask him about it. 
I also believe that Dalinar is like really old and kind of stupid and doesn't like, I mean, he takes people at their word too much. Like if he asks Amram about it, you know, he's gonna be like, Amram, what's this about? And Amram is going to be like, I'm a fucking liar. And Dalinar's going to be like, I believe you because I'm a man of honor and I expect everybody else to be. Wasn't the whole point of last book to be like, I shouldn't expect other people to be as honorable as I think they should be. I think you will. Dalinar has not forgotten us. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. There's a, there's a. He did not learn his lesson. We will get to it. Uh, I'm thinking about a scene later on. That's very good. Um, (sighs) uh, I know it's frustrating. Uh, uh, Kaladin got a new Herdazian (laughs) on the crew who just showed up and was like, I'm, I'm Lopin's cousin and I'm just here now. He's like, that's desertion. And the kid's like, they're not going to remember me. Yeah, his name is Punio. And uh, Shen went up to him and was like, am I a slave? And he's like, well, no. And then Shen's like, well, then give me a weapon. And he's like, um, also no. Also no. Like, well, then I'm a slave. <laughs> yeah. Uh... And then a dude showed up and was like, there's an assassin. Oh, yeah, and then he rushes to the palace, and the king is not dead, but he fell off a balcony. (laughs) And they basically figured out that whoever was um, trying to kill the king is not only very lazy, but they're also fucking coward. Yeah, they they used a shard blade to cut through, like, the railing on the balcony. And they wanted to make it look like an accident. Yeah. Like he fell. And Dalinar believes that. Um, it's probably Sadius. It's probably Sadius or possibly even worse, the assassin. Uh, oh, he yeah. seems to be kind of worried about the assassin. The in assassin way. isn't that dumb. No, but we know that. We know that. That's true. They don't know that. Yeah. Dalinar has never even met him because Dalinar was drunk that night. Sadius oh, met him true. kind of. Went from a drunkard to a threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. This week, we're starting with chapter 24. It is titled Tin. Uh, it's spelled T-Y-N. Uh, not tin like the metal, but that'd be a crazy connection. Um, T-Y-N, it, uh, the, it has Shalon symbol on it. The epigraph reads, Decay form destroys the souls of dreams, a form of gods to avoid it seems. Seek not its touch, nor beckon its screams, deny it. Watch where you walk, your toes to tread, or hill or rocky riverbed. Hold dear the fears that fill your head, defy it. From the Listener Song of Secrets, 27th stanza. Interesting. All these forms. Uh... This chapter, Shalon is listening to Gaz, and there's another deserter named Red, um, who is going to be around. So just, you know, there's a dude named Red here as well, and he's around. Um, R-E-D-D? Just R-E-D. Mm. It's just the is color. Is he a redhead? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't. Okay. I don't, I don't know if we've ever seen, he's a lethy, so he wouldn't be, I don't think. Oh. I don't think we've seen art of Red. Um, Wait, what? What's uh, Shalon? Shalon is uh, from Yakoved, which oh. is close, but not exactly. Um, and even they, they have the same religion, though. Yeah, yeah, they, they're the same religion. But even then, her red hair is also uh, out of place in Yakoved 
it's kind of like it's more of a thing of the horn eaters like rock has red hair well then why the fuck does she have red hair it's just like it like just mixing in it's just at some point it the some mm-hmm. blood got mixed in and like it's, it's not, not like a important. big secret there's oh, okay. so many big secrets about shallan that's not one of them uh oh, well. <laughs> She's listening to Gaz and Red's stories of how they were recruited into the army and how they ended up deserting due to the lack of progress on the Vengeance Pact because of the greed of the High Princes and because of their service odes binding them to virtual slavery. Um, fucking ironic, Gaz, because you were in charge of the actual slaves. Kind of weird for you to be like, me being a soldier was like slaves, being a slave. Well, that's just be- because he's yeah. dumb. Yeah, yeah, Gaz is dumb. Um, Clearly. <laughs> Vata uh, shows up and he's like, ah, Gaz, bending over for the fucking light eyes, you pathetic little bitch. And (laughs) Shallan defends Gaz and uh, she argues that the deserters have redeemed themselves and she just makes fun of Vata until he walks away. Uh, Shallan asks about Gaz's debt and he's like, ah, I don't want to talk about it. Mm. And he just leaves. Mm. Shallan studies Yasna's notes about the Shattered Plains and Yurathiru. Shallan complains to Pattern about how the historians weren't as factual and objective as she would like, but Pattern says that truth is subjective. And they discuss Spren for a bit, and they say this. Uh, Pattern buzzed. Spren are power. Shattered power. Power given thought by the perceptions of men. Honor, cultivation, and... and another... Fragments broken off. Another, Shallan prodded. Pattern's buzz became a whine, going so high-pitched she almost couldn't hear it. Odium. He spoke the word as if needing to force it out. Shallan wrote furiously, Odium. Hatred. One of sh- mm. That's what odium means, kind of. So he's literally just listing the names of the gods right now. Uh, yes. Or, like, the kind of names of the gods. Yeah. Well, what he's saying is that Spren are shattered pieces of these gods, fragments broken off of the gods. Then how is the god able to show the radiance if he was already dead at that point? So anything that we see through the the visions must happen before Honor died. Exactly, but there were Spren. Yeah, okay, so uh, they're not like, shattered pieces from when they're completely broken but like like pieces that broke off like little chips kind of like they're they're Mm. pieces of the power that collectively and we'll talk more about the gods eventually and like you'll get explanations about what they are but so they're like horcruxes no i'm kidding uh, that broke my brain a little bit just a bit but (laughs) no uh yeah um but honor cultivation and odium it's like, how do I explain it? It's like if Xehanort had to break off pieces of his soul to possess other people, but then those pieces just <laughs> became creatures. Uh, I'm, it might be like the Unversed, to be honest. Oh, that's true! I, I don't know if it's one-to-one there, but there's, you could, it, it's similar. Similar, except I don't think the Unversed would exist if the, if Vanitas was dead. Yeah, yeah. But that that's a good, that's a lot better than what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I pulled that. I'm very surprised. <laughs> I uh, should have come up with that. Vanitas you should have. My boy. I know. I'm very surprised you didn't. 
One of Shallan's slaves delivers a summons to visit Tin, who Tin was introduced very briefly last time. She was the head guard of one of the caravans that, like, Shallan kind of absorbed. That's what the chapter's name. And that's also what the chapter's titled. And the two get together to eat dinner. Tin asks about Shallan's identity and says that she has sent inquiries about Shallan Devar and deduced that her story is so improbable that Shallan is really a con artist and an impersonator trying to pull off a scam. And Tin is like, you're in luck because that's what I do. I'm a scam person as well. I just did a job down south and now I'm on my way to the Shattered Plains. So, you know, I'll help you. I'll help you with your con. And Shallan is like, okay, yeah, um... Uh, and she implies that she has dangerous secrets about Dalinar, and that is the the con that she's going to play. And that's the end of the chapter. And then they're going to show up, and she's going to be like, psych, I'm actually Shallan. And she's going to be like, wait, so you conned me. Yeah, you conned me. Oh, no. <laughs> that would actually be really funny. Chapter 25, Monsters. His Kaladin symbol and the epigraph reads smoke form for hiding and slipping between men, a form of power like human surges, bringing it, bring it round again, though crafted of gods. It was by unmade hand and unmade is capitalized, leaves its forces to be, but one of foe or friend from the listener song of history's 127th stanza. Interesting. The chapter starts. Kaladin figured it took a lot to put him in a situation he'd never before seen. He'd been a slave and a surgeon, served on a battlefield and in a light-eyes dining room. He'd seen a lot for his twenty years. Too much, it felt at times. He had many memories he'd rather be without. Regardless, he had not expected this day to present him with something so utterly and disconcertingly unfamiliar. Sir, he asked, taking a step backward. You want me to do what? Get on that horse, Dalinar Cullen said, pointing toward an animal grazing nearby. Dalinar orders Kaladin and Bridge Four to learn how to ride horses so they can travel more quickly around the camp. Moash advises against trusting Dalinar, but, but agrees eagerly to learn to ride for the battlefield advantage that horses give. Jeanette, the stable master, is displeased, but lectures Bridge Four on horsemanship. Adolin appears. Adolin looked the bridgeman over with a smirk, then caught the stable master's eye and smiled in a less condescending way. Jeanette, he said. Looking fetching today, as always. Is that a new riding dress? The woman bent down without looking. She was now talking about how to guide the horses and selected a stone from the ground. <laughs> then she turned and threw it at Adolin. The princeling flinched, raising an arm protectively, protectively over his face, though Janet's aim was off. Or Jeanette's aim was off. Oh, come on now, Adolin said. You're not still sore that another rock. This one clipped him on the arm. Right then, Adolin said, jogging his horse away, hunched down to present a smaller target for rocks. After the lecture, Kaladin and the others practice riding the horses, which is difficult for Kaladin at first, though he gains a small amount of proficiency. And he goes over to one of the other bridgemen. Natam, Kaladin asked, do you remember much about the day when someone tried to kill the king? Oh, sure, Natam said. I was with the guys who ran out there and found him flapping in the wind, like the Stormfather's own ears. Before the storm that night, was anyone out on the balcony? Any servants who didn't recognize? Any soldiers who weren't from the king's guard? No servants that I recall. I guarded the king all day, sir, with the king's guard. Ain't nothing standing out to me. I- Whoa! His horse had suddenly picked up speed, outpacing Kaladin's. Think about it, Kaladin called to him. See what you can remember. You're not enjoying yourself, Sil said. You're starting to sound a lot like my mother. Captivating, Sil said. Amazing, witty, meaningful. Repetitive. Captivating, Sil said. Amazing, witty, meaningful. 
Very funny, says the man not laughing. All right, so what is drearifying you today? Drearifying, Kaladin frowned. Is that a word? You don't know? He shook his head. Yes, Sil said. Yes, it absolutely is. Something's off about the conversation I just had with Natam. What did you talk about? The assassination attempt? And if you'd seen anyone before the... He paused. Before the storm. He looked down and met Sil's eyes. The storm itself would have blown them down the railing, Kaladin said. It was cut clean through. The mortar on the bottom chipped away, Kaladin continued. I'll bet the force of the winds was easily equal to the weight of the king the, the weight the king put on it. So the sabotage must have happened after the storm, Sil said. Kaladin abandons his training horse to ride an untamed horse that Adolin goads him into riding. Kaladin mounts the new horse, Dreamstorm, using Stormlight to adhere himself to the saddle. The horse tires itself out trying to buck Kaladin from the saddle, and eventually succeeds when the Stormlight runs out. Dalinar orders Kaladin to start patrolling outside the camps using the horses. Kaladin found himself standing near Adolin, who remained mounted. Thanks, Adolin said grudgingly. For? Kaladin asked. Not telling father I put you up to that. I'm not an idiot, Adolin, Kaladin said, swinging into his saddle. I could see what I was getting myself into. Kaladin catches up with Natam. I want to talk some more about that night. Sir, the long-faced man asked, I haven't thought of anything yet. Been a little distracted. I have another question. I asked you about your shift during the day, but what about right after I left? Did anyone other than the king go out onto the balcony? Just guards, sir. Tell me which ones. Maybe they saw something. Natam shrugged. I mainly watched the door. The king remained in the sitting room for a time. I guess Moash went out. Moash, Kaladin said, frowning. Wasn't his shift supposed to be done soon? Yeah, Natam said. He stayed around a little extra time, said he wanted to see the king settled. While waiting, Moash went out, on to, went out to watch the balcony. You usually want one of us out there. Thanks, Kaladin asked. I'll ask him. Kaladin found Moash diligently listening to Jenna uh, explain something. Kaladin watched him for a few minutes, frowning. Then it struck him. What are you thinking? That Moash might have had something to do with the assassination attempt? Don't be stupid. That was ridiculous. Besides, the man didn't have a shard blade. Kaladin turned his horse away. As he did, however, he saw the person Dalinar had gone to meet. Bright Lord Amaram. Adolin and Renarin rode up to them, smiling broadly as Amaram waved to them. The anger that surged within Kaladin, sudden, passionate, almost chokingly strong, made him clench his fists. His breath hissed out. That surprised him. He'd thought the hatred buried deeper than that. He turned his horse pointedly the other direction, suddenly looking forward to the chance to go on patrol with the new recruits. Getting away from the war camps sounded very good to him. And that's the end of the chapter. We're, you know, we're working on this little case, this little, this little mystery. And just a friendly reminder that all the Kalins are real buddy with Amaram. Chapter 26, The Feather. And this has Adolin's symbol on it. They blame our people for the loss of that land. The city that once covered it did range the eastern strand. The power made known in the tomes of our clan, our gods were not who shattered these plains. From the Listener Song of Wars, 55th stanza. Adolin comes to the aid of Yakimov, a shardbearer in High Prince Royan's camp. They lead in a lethe charge against the Parshendi to capture a gem heart on a pyramid-shaped plateau. Yakimov mentions that Adolin isn't supposed to be there and obser observes that Dalinar is trying to increase cooperation between the High Princes. Adolin and Yakimov reach the cr chrysalis, but they're too late. The chrysalis was already open. No, Adolin said. Adolin spun, searching across the top of the plateau. Yakimov clanked up and cursed. How did they get it out so quickly? 
There, nearby, the Parshendi, nearby, the Parshendi soldiers scattered. Standing behind them was a tall figure in silvery shard plate, a red cloak billowing out behind. It's him, oh, hey. Adolin said, running forward. This was the one his father had fought on the tower. The shard bearer turned toward Adolin. Her. Well, he doesn't know that yet. The shard bearer turned toward Adolin, gripping a large uncut gemstone in his hand. Fight me, Adolin said. A group of Parshendi soldiers charged past the Shardbearer. The Shardbearer handed his gem heart to one of those charging men, then turned and watched them jump. They soared across the gap to land on the top of the other half of the hill, the one on the adjacent plateau. The Shardbearer remained. Adolin ignored the fleeing Parshendi, ignored Yakimov, who called for him to fall back, and ran up to that Shardbearer, swinging his blade full force. The Parshendi raised his own blade, slapping aside Adolin's blow. You are the son, Adolin Kolin, the Parshendi said. Your father, where is? Adolin froze in place. The words were in Alethi. The Shardbearer slammed up his faceplate, and to Adolin's shock, there was no beard on that face. Didn't that make this a woman? I must needs speak to Dalinar, the woman said, stepping forward. I met him one time, much long ago. You refused our every messenger, Adolin said, backing away, sword out. Now you wish to speak with us? That was long ago. Time does change. Fight. He was here to fight. His father's voice in the back of his mind held him at bay. Dalinar would want this chance. It could change the course of the entire war. He will want to contact you, Adolin said, taking a deep breath, shoving down the thrill of battle. How? We'll send messenger, the Shardbearer said. Do not kill one who comes. She raised her shard blade toward him in salute, then let it drop and dematerialize. She turned to charge toward the chasm and hurled herself across in a leap. Adolin returns to his army. Adolin jogged up to his brother. Hey, Adolin said, ready to head back? Renarin nodded. What happened? Adolin asked. Renarin continued staring at the ground. Finally, one of the bridgeman guards, a compact man with silvering hair, nodded his head to the side. Adolin walked with him a short distance away. A group of shellheads tried to seize one of the bridges, Brightlord, the bridgeman said softly. Brightlord Renarin insisted on going to help. Sir, we tried hard to dissuade him. Then when we got when he got near and summoned his blade, he just kind of stood there. We got him away, sir, but he's been sitting on that rock ever since. One of Renarin's fits. Thank you, soldier, Adolin said. He walked back over and laid his ungauntleted hand on Renarin's shoulder. It's all right, Renarin. It happens. Renarin shrugged again. Well, if he was in one of his moods, there was nothing to do but let him stew. The younger man would talk about it when he was ready. Adolin goes over to Yakimov. Yakimov comments that Adolin will eventually lose a duel, but Adolin complains that he is having difficulty getting anyone to accept a duel. Yakimov reveals that Sadius has been bribing people to refuse duels, but says that Adolin should try challenging Ereniv. What's this I hear about you being betrayed, Yakimov asks. Uh, betrayed? Betrothed, Yakimov asked. It's just a casual, Adolin said, and it might not even get that far. The woman's ship seems to have been severely delayed. Two weeks now, with no word. Even Aunt Navani was getting worried. Yasna should have sent word. I never thought you were the type to let yourself be nailed into an arranged marriage, Adolin. There are lots of winds to ride out there, you know? Like I said, Adolin replied, it's far from official. He still didn't know how he felt about all this. Part of him had wanted to push back simply because he resisted being subject to Yasna's manipulation. But then, his recent track record wasn't anything to boast of. The idea of letting someone else just take care of it all for him was more attempting than he'd ever publicly admit. Adolin asks to talk about his relationship problems at a wine house that evening, but Yakimov declines, stating that it's not popular to be seen around Adolin due to Dalinar's proclamations. Adolin stalked off. I didn't have a fit, Renarin said softly. I just stood there. 
I wasn't frozen because of my ailment. I'm just a coward. You're no coward, Adolin said. I've seen you act as brave as any man. Remember the chasm fiend hunt? Renarin shrugged. You don't know how to fight, Renarin. It's a good thing you froze. You're too new at this to go into battle right now. I shouldn't be. You started training when you were six. That's different. You're different, you mean, Renarin said, eyes forward. He wasn't wearing his spectacles. Why was that? Didn't he need them? Trying to act like he doesn't, Adolin thought. Renarin so desperately wanted to be useful on a battlefield. You just need more training, Adolin said. Zahel will rip whip you into shape. Just give it time. You'll see. I need to be ready, Renarin said. Something is coming. The way he said it gave Adolin a shiver. You're talking about the numbers on the walls. Renarin nodded. They'd found another scratched set of them after the recent high storm, outside Father's room. Forty-nine days. A new storm comes. According to the guards, nobody had gone in or out. Who or what had done it? Need to be ready, Renarin said. For the coming storm. So little time. And that's the end of that chapter. Renarin's a bit of a freak, but I love him. He just walks around being weird to everybody. Sounds like someone I know. Yeah, he's me. Just because he's really cool. Trust me. I know he just like froze up in a fight and didn't even get into the fight, but I promise. Are you sure about that? He wears glasses. I wear glasses too. Well, he's not wearing them right now. But sometimes I don't wear mine. I'm not wearing them right now. Uh, yeah, and how are you faring? I'm doing all right. Actually, I should probably put them back on. I had them off when I was streaming, but there we go. Chapter 27, Fabrications to Distract. And this has Shallan's flashback symbol on it. It's from five years ago. Shallan is outside in the gardens of their estate sketching. She longs to stay out there, where people do not scream at each other, where there is peace. Unfortunately, it's a fake peace, cultivated like the garden itself. She hears shouts from the nearby manor house, which cause her to tense up and ruin the sketch she's working on. She thinks of her brother Helleran, who brings her the fine sketching paper. His returns home are unpredictable and short, and no one knows where he goes when he leaves. She stares at a blank piece of paper and loses track of time. Eventually, noticing the sky is darkened, Shallan packs up her things and heads inside. Her father has been throwing feasts regularly, and it's almost time for the one tonight. She turns up the stairs to get ready. There would be a new dress for her to wear as she sits quietly. She suspects her father doesn't like that she has begun speaking again. Perhaps he does not want her to be able to speak of things she has seen. Her mind goes blank. Her brother, Ju uh, her brother Jushu finds her on the stairs, staring at the wall. Is that the one who we saw... Uh, no, that's, um, Balat. Oh. Jushu is a different one. Her brother Jushu finds her on the stairs, staring at the wall. Jushu's jacket is undone and askew, and his cheeks are flush with wine. He has no cufflinks or belt, having gambled them away. What was father yelling about earlier, she asked. Where were, were you here? No, Jushu said. But I heard. Balat has been starting fires again. Nearly burned down the storming servants' building. He's an arsonist too. Yeah, they're not. They're not doing great. Um, this family, man. Oh, that's that'll make okay. It's just you know. Oh, that's I, interesting. I'm sorry? Actually, that's interesting. I'm sorry? Actually, that's interesting. Actually. Uh, anyways, Jushu pushed a pastor, then stumbled, grabbing the banister to keep from falling. Father was not going to like Jushu coming to the feast like this. More yelling. Storm's cursed idiot, Jushu said as Shallan helped him right himself. Balad is going straight crazy. I'm the only, only one left in this family with any sense. You were staring at the wall again, weren't you? She didn't reply. He'll have a new dress for you, Jushu said as she helped him toward his room, and nothing from me but curses. 
bastard. He loved Helleran, and none of us are him, so we don't matter. Helleran is never here. He betrayed Father, almost killed him, and still he's the only one who matters. They passed Father's chambers and the glowing strongbox. What are you staring at? Jushu demanded, holding to the banister. The light. What light? Behind the painting. He squinted, lurching forward. What in the halls are you talking about, girl? It really did ruin your mind, didn't it? Watching him kill Mother? Jushu pulled away from her, cursing softly to himself. I'm the only one in this family who hasn't gone crazy. The only storming one. Shallan stared into that light. There hid a monster. There hid Mother's soul. Uh, and that's the end of the chapter. Uh, what? Huh? 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 He's the only storming sane one there anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, he hasn't killed anyone yet. Uh, and this ch- next chapter, the one we've all been waiting for, chapter 28, Boots. Let's go. It has Shallan's symbol. And it reads, Boots uh, the epigraph the reads, Boots the monkey is in this chapter. That's a spoiler, but it's true. <laughs> uh, the epigraph reads, The betrayal of Spren has brought us here. They gave their surges to human heirs, but not to those who know them most dear before us. Tis no surprise we turned away, unto the gods we spent our days, and to become their molding clay they changed us. From the Listener Song of Secrets, 40th stanza. Tin guides a troll wagon and gives friendly advice on being a con artist and impersonator to Shallan. Tin explains how carefree she is and how fleeting personal belongings and missions are to her, and that her most recent mission ended without a positive resolution. Though Shallan senses some tension when Tin says so. The caravan encounters four uniformed horse riders, and Tin and Shallan separate from the group to meet with them. Who are you going to be? Tin asked softly. Myself? Shallan replied. What's the fun in that? How's your horn eater? Horn eater? I... Too late, Tin said as the men rode up. The lead rider reined in his horse with some obvious annoyance. He didn't seem in complete control of the beast. Brightness, he said, nodding to her as he saw her eyes. Her Highness, Tin announced in a loud voice, gesturing toward Shallan. Princess Unuluku Ak Kina Auta Aitai. You are in the presence of royalty, dark eyes. A horn eater, the man said, wearing a Voran dress. Rock would have a fit. Tin looked at Shallan and raised an eyebrow. I'm going to strangle you, woman, Shallan thought, then took a deep breath. This thing, Shallan said, gesturing at her dress. He is not what you have a princess wear. He is good for me. You will be respect. Tin nodded to her, looking appreciative. I'm sorry, the man said, though he didn't seem very apologetic. One of the man's companions was inspecting the caravan through a spyglass. Seven wagons, Cal, the man said, well guarded. Cal nodded. I've been sent out to look for signs of bandits, he said to Tin. Has all been well with your caravan? We ran into some bandits three weeks ago, Tin said. Why do you care? We represent the king, the man said, and are from the personal guard of Dalinar Kalin. Oh, storms. Well, that was going to be inconvenient. <laughs> Bright Lord Kalin, Cal continued, is investigating the possibility of a wider range of control around the Shattered Plains. If you really were attacked, I would like to know the details. If we were attacked, Shallan asked, you doubt our word? No, I am a fend, Shallan declared. You'd better watch yourself, Tin told the men. Her Highness does not like to be offended. How surprising, Cal said. Where did the attack take place? You fought it off? How many bandits were there? I really am going to strangle you, Tin. Their leader listened to the details of the attack with a stoic air. He didn't seem like a very pleasant man. I'm sorry to hear of your losses, Cal said, but you're only a day and a half by caravan from the Shattered Plains now. You should be safe the rest of the way. I am curiosity, Shallan said. 
These animals, they are horses, yet you are dark-eyed. This Colin trusts you well? I do my duty, Cal said. Where are the rest of your people? That caravan looks as if it's all Vorin. Also, you look a little spindly for a horn-eater. Did you just insult the princess's weight? Tin asked, aghast. Storms, she was good. She actually managed to produce anger's friend with the remark. I am offend, Shallan yelled. You have offended her highness again. Very offend. You'd better apologize. No apologize, Shallan declared. Boots. Cal leaned back, looking between the two of them, trying to parse what had just been said. Boots, he asked. Yes, Shallan said. I am liking your boots. You will apology with boots. You want my boots. Did you not hear her highness? Tin asked. Are soldiers of this Dalinar Kulin's army so disrespectful? I'm not disrespectful, Cal said, but I'm not giving her my boots. You insult, Shallan declared. I will tell all who are to listen. When arriving, I will say, Kulin is stealer of boots and taker of women's virtue. Cal sputtered. Virtue? <laughs> yes, Shallan said. Virtue? No, wrong word. Virtue, no. Vesture. Vesture. Taker of woman's vesture. That is word I wanted. The soldier glanced to his companions, looking confused. Is no matter, Shallan said. All will know what you have done in wronging me. You have laid me bare here in this wilderness. Stripping me is an insult to my house and my clan. All will know that Colin. Oh, stop, stop, Cal said, reaching down and awkwardly pulling his boot from his foot while on horseback. Storming woman, he muttered. He tossed the, the first boot down to her, then removed the other. Your apology is accepted, Tin said, fetching the boots. By damnation, it better be, Cal said. I'll pass along your story. Maybe we can get the storming place patrolled. Come on, men. He turned and left them without another word. It would be funny if she dropped the entire thing as soon as she got the <laughs> Oh, thanks. All right. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once they were out of earshot, Shallan looked at the boots, then started laughing uncontrollably. Tin compliments Shallan on her impersonation, but criticizes her for being overly empathetic, as that is not a good quality in a con artist. And that's the chapter. And that is the first meeting of Shallan Devar and Kaladin Stormblust. Wait, that- Cal! Oh my god, I didn't realize that was Kaladin! I didn't realize that was Kaladin! That was the first meeting of Shalon Devar and I hear Cal Kaladin. and I'm like, I, I, I should know this, I should know- It's literally Kaladin. <laughs> That's what Bridge 4 calls him. I'm just dumb. No, it's alright. I love that scene so much. <laughs> I love that that's the first time they meet. And then he's gonna see her later and be like, wait, you're the horn eater girl. And she'll, you're she'll that be like, bitch what? that took my fucking boots. Those are new boots. I was a slave a week ago. I don't I don't have good boots. He can get more boots. He can get more boots. Chapter 29, Rule of Blood. This has kind of the general all-around symbol, but mm. that they use for like the interludes, but it is in Sadius's POV. Ugh. The epigraph reads, Art form for colors beyond our ken. For its, ground, for its grand songs we yearn. We must attract creation spren. These songs suffice till we learn. From the listener song of revision, 279th stanza. Sadius rests after a prolonged battle against the Parshendi, reveling in the thrill before the feeling fades away. Your maneuver here today failed, you realize, Amaram said. Failed, Sadius said. I think this went quite nicely. We needed to get out here, Amaram said, seize the gem heart, and return before the others arrived. Then you could have claimed that you didn't realize you weren't in the rotation today. The arrival of both other armies removes that shred of deniability. 
You mistake me, Sadius said. You assume I still care about deniability. The last Parshendi died with enraged screams. Sadius felt proud of that. Others said Parshendi warriors on the field never surrendered, but he'd seen them try it once, long ago, in the first year of the war. They'd laid down their weapons. He'd slaughtered them all personally, with shard hammer and plate, beneath the eyes of their retreating companions watching from a shard nearby hammer. plateau. It's not a shard blade. It's what they, the shard uh, bearers use to break shard plate if they don't have a sword. They just have a really big hammer. It's not literally a shard hammer. Like, oh. It's not made out of the same material. That's just what they call it. Just a really big hammer. It's just a really big hammer. Like you couldn't pick it up unless you had the enhanced strength from shard plate. Never again had any Parshendi denied him or his men their right to finish a battle the proper way. So this motherfucker is like admitting in his POV that at the beginning of the war, the Parshendi did not fight to the death. They would surrender, but Sadius killed it out of them. Personally. I am duty bound to join you on the battlefield, your highness. Amram said as they walked, but I want you to know that I do not approve of our actions here. We should be seeking to bridge our differences with the king and Dalinar, not trying to agitate them further. Sadius snorted. Don't give me that noble talk. It works fine for others, but I know you for the ruthless bastard you really are. Amram set his jaw, eyes forward. Toral, he said softly, there is so much more to the world than your squabbles. You're right about me, of course. Take that admission with the understanding that to you, above all others, I can speak the truth. Alethkar needs to be strong for what is coming. Alethkar does need to be strong, Sadius said, so I'll make it so by force of fist and the rule of blood. Do you ever worry, Amram asked, about what you do, about what we must do? Worry? Why should I worry? Why should I? It gives the wretches a chance to die in battle for something worthwhile. You say things like that a lot these days, I've noticed. You weren't like that before. I've learned to accept the world as it is, Amaram. That's something very few people are willing to do. They stumble along, hoping, dreaming, pretending. That doesn't change a single storming thing in life. You have to stare the world in the eyes in all its grimy, grimy brutality. You have to acknowledge its depravities, live with them. It's the only way to accomplish anything meaningful. The man would remain loyal. Sadis and Amaram had an understanding. Even Amaram now being a shard bearer would not change that. Sadius and his vanguard rode over to where High Prince Haytham's army waited. Sadius, Haytham called out to him, what have you done here? After a quick moment of decision, Sadius lifted his arm back and hurled the gem heart across the plateau separating them. It hit the rock near Haytham and bounced along in a roll glowing, faint, in a roll glowing faintly. I was bored, Sadius shouted back. I thought I'd save you some trouble. Then, ignoring further questions, Sadius continued on his way. Adolin Colin had a duel today, and he decided not to miss it, just in case the youth embarrassed himself again. We cut to Sadius sitting at the dueling arena, contemplating that his fashionable clothes are very uncomfortable, and wishing that he could wear a simple uniform like Dalinar's if that didn't send the wrong message. Sadius thinks about aging and desire to achieve a form of immortality through conquest. Eli shows up, his wife, and praises Sadius' stratagem of giving away the gem heart to undermine Dalinar's accusations of greed. Sadius says he is not pleased that Araniv accepted the duel, despite his efforts to block Adolin from having any dueling opponents, and that he wants Dalinar's plan to fail so that he can rebuild their kingdom to, its own, to his own specifications. As, Al as Adolin duels with Araniv, Eli described the failed assassination attempt on Elokar, and they debate the ramifications of it, as Sadius ponders that Elokar must die and Dalinar must be dealt with so that he can wipe the slate clean. Sadius and Eli decide to expose Dalinar as a hypocrite, since he didn't involve Sadius in the assassination investigation, which would be only proper as Sadius is the High Prince of inf Information. 
Sadia says he will renounce his post in protest when it will cause the most harm to Dalinar's strategy. Sadius realizes that Adolin is toying with his opponent, and that he is very skilled and clever to win while appearing to be losing. Sadius tells Eli to stop from interfering with Adolin's dueling aspirations, to try to take advantage of Adolin's hot-headedness, and to invite uh, High Prince Ruthar on his next hunt. And that is the end of the chapter. I'm going to send you an image. The Unclaimed Hills Late Flora. Yeah, this is what kind of what the place looks like. Remember, it's very ugh. Ugh, gross. Uh, the upper lip of the formation, which shapes the late, shows distinct signs of creme buildup, resulting in large spikes that rim the edge in the predominant direction of the winds. Many of these species are new to me. The plant life here isn't nearly as lush as it was on Father's Estates, or even Cabranth, but there is a frantic determination to the way it grows. And this is kind of the um, wildlife and how everything looks. Very, like I said, it's very oceany, but no water. The next chapter is chapter 30. It's called Nature's Blushing. Uh, it has Shallan's symbol. The epigraph reads, "'Tis said it was warm in the land far away when Voidbringers entered our songs. We brought them home to stay, and then those homes became their own. It happened gradually, and years ahead twill still be said, "'Tis how it has to be.'" From the Listener Song of History's 12th stanza. Shallan is excited to see a small, naturally occurring, diverse ecosystem of plants and small animals protected by a rock overhang, and has their caravan diverted to investigate it, which is that image that we just saw. Shallan settles down to draw sketches of the small garden and is joined by Gaz, who requests that she draw a sketch of him, to which she replies that she will. Shallan draws a quick portrait with slight modifications from reality to make Gaz appear more impressive, and Gaz is, like, very appreciative of it. It kind of shakes his whole worldview. Vata tells Shallan they are stopping for the night, and Pattern tells Shallan there will be trouble, and Shallan agrees. Shallan draws a bunch of sketches of the thicket, then draws whatever floats into her mind, including a rocky ocean shore with some indistinct figures, of which one reminds her of Yalb, and a woman taking a hammer and chisel to a statue, though Shallan does not know why she drew the last picture. I wonder who the woman taking a hammer and chisel to a statue could be. Maybe the woman portrayed by the statue. Mm. Yes, I mm. believe that is supposed to be in reference to the Herald that is going around destroying depiction of her own art. Uh, I have no fucking idea why Shalana is sketching it. Uh, zero clue. She draws, she draws things that don't make sense for her to draw. Yeah, but this is like way out there even for her. I like, I, I can't think in my mind any reason why, uh, she would draw this. Um, so if anybody does have a reasoning why, please Yet. tell me. Um, yeah. Well, I, I'm saying even with my knowledge, I can't think of a reason why. Yet. Um, yeah, yet. I guess maybe book five will blow that up wide open. Uh. <laughs> or maybe she just is psychic. Yeah, maybe she's just psychic. <laughs> um, Tin tells Shallan she has artistic talent but should practice forgery instead of drawing, and that she wants to introduce Shallan to some friends in the Shattered Plains. She also claims Shallan needs a dose of realism in order to be ready for the life of a criminal. Tin asks if Shallan wants to back out of their criminal enterprise, but Shallan says she is committed, and that her planned scam is to impersonate the betrothed of Adolin Colin. Tin gives Shallan some advice on carrying out her love scam. As they talk, Shallan worries about the state of the betrothal, even though it is secondary to her research on Urethiru and the Voidbringers, and about what to do with Tin when the fake scam falls through. Though she is also excited as well about finally getting to the Shattered Plains. And we're going to do one more small chapter. It's titled Chapter 31, The Stillness Before. And it has Shallan's symbol. Oh, 
Oh. Smoke form for hiding and slipping tween men, a form of power like surges of spren. Do we dare to wear this form again? It's spies. Crafted of gods, this form we fear. By unmade touch, it's cursed to bear. Formed from shadow and death is near. It lies. From the listener song of Secrets, 51st stanza. So this chapter has Shallan symbol and we start in Kaladin's POV. Mm-hmm. Kaladin, along with 40 bridgemen from Bridge 17, returns to Bridge 4's barracks for evening stew. Pitt, one of those bridgemen, apologizes to Kaladin for being glad when Bridge 4 went on hunts instead of 17 and says he will do his best to motivate his crew. Where was Teft? He'd gone on the, the patrol with them and now he'd vanished. Kaladin glanced over his shoulder, but didn't see him. Perhaps he'd gone to check on some of the other bridge crews. He did catch Rock shooing away a lanky man in, the, in an ardent's robe. What was that? Kaladin asked, catching the horn eater as he passed. That one, Rock said, keeps loitering here with a sketchbook. Wants to draw bridgemen. Ha! Because we are famous, you see. Kaladin frowned. Strange actions for an ardent. But then, all ardents were strange to an extent. So, I didn't realize this until uh, reading this chapter again for these notes. That was Nas, uh, the dude who does the notes in some of the sketches. And earlier on, we saw sketches of the Bridge Four tattoos that Nas made. Yeah. This is when he was making them. Oh. This is when uh, Rock shoes him away while he's doing those sketches. So huh. this was something I didn't pick up on on my first reading because I didn't know who Nas was. <laughs> um, but I did this time and I was like, oh, shit, that's kind of fun. Um, he let Rock return to his stew and stepped away from the fire, enjoying the peace. Everything was so quiet out there in the camp, like it was holding its breath. Kaladin eats his dinner quickly in anticipation of going to protect Dalinar during the upcoming high storm. And then we jump to Shallan's POV. Tin watches Shallan practice light of hand tricks and inquires about her practice with accents and lectures her on how she needs to overcome her prudishness. Their caravan reaches the outskirts of the war camps and they decide to stop for the day. Tin closed her eyes, face toward the sky. I might have some information for you tonight. About? Your homeland. Tin cracked an eye. That's nice, Shallan said. The less Shallan said about her background, the less likely that Tin would realize the truth about her new student. I'd have expected more from you, Tin said, closing her eye. Considering. That provoked Shallan. Considering what, she finally asked. So you don't know. I thought as much. Tin smiled, eyes closed. Your Vaden king is dead. Hanavanar? Dead? His son will inherit then? He would, if he weren't dead too. Along with six of Yaakoved's high princes. Shallan gasped. They say it was the assassin in white, Tin said softly, eyes still closed. The Shin man who killed the Alethi king six years back. I have informants sending me word tonight via Spanread. Might have something for you then. Macabre, who's like their, one of their caravan gu- uh, guards, agrees with the decision to stop the caravan to wait out the upcoming high storm that's going to happen that night. Oh, shit. And next week, we will find out what happens during that high storm. So her family was murdered by... No, no, it wasn't her family. Oh. It, it was... um. Her family would be involved in the succession war because they're not any of the high princes. They're just like... Kind of... Oh, that's right. Important I forgot. Lords. They're just yeah nobles. But uh, this is—I mean—it throws the entire country into co- into chaos. Like the entire ruling body is gone. Oh. Uh, so Yakovet is like completely thrown into chaos right now. Oh. Um. Oh shit. 
and next week, I told you this in our DMs earlier, but uh, the end of this part, which we will be doing in the next week's episode. It's uh, one of your favorites. It's in my top five. Um, there are two in this book, and I'm not talking, uh, this excludes like book climaxes. I don't count book, book climaxes as like, I'm talking like things that happen before the climax of the book. Um, there's probably two in this book. One in Oathbringer and one in Rhythm of War. And then I don't know what my fifth would be. But um, this book, this is one of them coming up next week. Uh, but yes, we will get... There's probably a second one in Oathbringer now that I'm thinking about it. But anyways, uh, for now, that's it. We got through quite a bit tonight. Um, next week we will finish uh, this part. And then, I mean, we will be right into... Um, We'll be right. I mean, with the episode after that, uh, we're going to do the interludes, but we're also going to go right into part three because the interludes really aren't long at all. Um, I have maybe eight pages of notes for the interlude compared to the normal 15 that we do. So, um, yeah, we'll do a couple chapters of part three as well. Uh, all right. Yeah, that's all I've got. Then you guys can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore AFK. All our cover art was made by our good friend Alks. Uh, that is at Alks, A-L-X underscore B-E-E-G B-O-I um, at Alks underscore Big Boy. The uh, link is in the episode description. Uh, you guys can follow us on Twitter, like I said at the beginning of the podcast at Speak Stormlight. You can join our Discord. The link to do that is in our episode description and you can email us at speakthewordsasp at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll catch you guys next time. Life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination.